You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into STB Sports Take, Simply the Best Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sean Bingham. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. Please hit the subscribe button. We are back. Had a little two-week break. Went to Hawaii for some work stuff. Then went to New York with some family. Sorry for the break there. I don't do that very often. I'm, I've been very, very consistent for almost a year now. I plan to keep that going. Thank you for being here. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts. Everywhere you get your podcasts, we are there. And thank you for being here as well. Hit the subscribe button, you guys. Uh, lots to talk about. Yes, I was gone. Uh, to, you know, this this little bottle you see sitting here for those watching on YouTube says Tripio on it. That is my company. It is a travel company. I like to consider myself a travel expert, and I actually got hired. So I, I typically do corporate retreats and things like that. Companies will hire me to take their top sales reps or executives or whatever and go on like an epic adventure trip. And I did enough of those that uh, a, a wedding party reached out to me and said, hey, we want to do a destination wedding. We'd love to have you take us. So I did, and it was amazing. It was one of the funnest weeks I've had in a long, long time. So that had me like mega, mega busy uh, that entire week in Hawaii. Just didn't have a chance to get a podcast out. And then I went directly from there to New York for my sister's wedding and just didn't have, And anyway, so just two weeks went by, and I apologize. Um, but uh, we're back, and there's a ton to talk about, you guys. So much to talk about. Uh, we're going to start with BYU. The BYU football team, when we last talked, was 3-0. and Now they're 5-0, and and they just keep climbing the rankings. So the question is, can the Cougars make the college football playoffs, and do the Cougars belong in the college football playoffs? The answer to both is yes. They can make it, and yes, they would belong. Now, there's a caveat to the second part of that. If they make it, now again, they'll have to run the table, to, to make it. Obviously, they'll have to go undefeated. But they'll have seven victories over Power 5 Conference schools. Seven. Seven. The, the last of which would be on the road at USC. That would be a, a playoff clinching victory, right? If that if they can get to there and go 12-0, that would be a big, big deal. Now, the caveat to whether or not they belong there is this. It looks like nobody belongs with Alabama and Georgia, Okay. BYU would probably be the four seed in the playoffs and get absolutely annihilated by Alabama. So it would it would seem to people like, oh, they didn't belong. But I would argue that everybody's going to get annihilated by Alabama or Georgia. Those two are just on a collision course for the national championship, it appears. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of football left to be played. But do I think BYU has a chance to win a national championship? No, I don't. Not at all. So in that regard, they don't belong in the playoffs. But four teams get there. So if BYU is undefeated, they will they will belong because they will have earned it. Um, so I think they can do it. So looking at the rankings, BYU is currently ranked 10th, okay? Ahead of them is 5-0 Michigan, who had a big jump in the rankings. This is, there's coaches poll, there's AP poll, and then soon we will get the college football playoff committee poll. And I'll be very interested to see where they put BYU in their initial rankings. I like that they don't do rankings right off the bat because a lot of these rankings are based off of reputation. Oh, your name is Clemson. Well, you must be good. You have two losses. We don't care. You're still, your name's still Clemson, right? Okay. Yeah. You're, you're still in the top 25. Well, they finally caught on. Clemson um, is 21st in the coaches poll and they are not in the AP poll. They, w- they would be 26th, but they, you know, 
didn't make it into the top 25. But they're 21st in the coaches poll at 3-2. and two. You know, and, and are they the 21st best team in the country? I don't freaking know. I just know that they haven't earned it right now other than their name is Clemson, right? And so I like that the college football committee um, playoff committee waits to do their rankings until after, I think it's after week six, which would mean this next week, maybe it's even after week seven, but um, they wait to do their rankings until they've seen like a decent body of work, right? And right now, BYU's five and zero. Oh. So ahead of them, Michigan at number nine, this is the AP poll, Oregon at number eight, Ohio State at number seven, Oklahoma at number six, Cincinnati. Cincinnati is an interesting one to look at. They're ranked ahead of BYU at number five. They're also not a Power Five conference. Also got invited to the Big 12, so they're viewed as one that's about to be a Power Five conference school. Uh, they're 4-0, ranked five spots ahead of the Cougars. So that's a team to, to watch out for because I you, you would not see both Cincinnati and BYU get into the playoffs. I just hope that the committee catches on to the fact that BYU's schedule is tougher. And we'll get into that in a second. But number four, Penn State. Number three, Iowa. Number two, Georgia. Number one, Alabama. Now, here's the thing. A lot of these schools are going to to suffer losses. We know that. It always happens every year, especially in the big conferences that have to play each other and they end up losing games. BYU has a tough four-game stretch ahead of them right now. This Saturday, Boise State. Then they have, I believe it's Washington State. Then Virginia. Am I missing one somewhere? Let me just look it up. Um Two seconds here, because I know I missed one. Baylor. I skipped Baylor. So Boise State this week, then Baylor, then Washington State, and then Virginia. That's a tough four-game stretch for BYU. Boise State's a very respected uh, non-Power 5 conference school. And then Baylor is Big 12, Washington State, another Pac-12, Virginia, ACC. So they have a, a very, arguably, you know, a top three non-P5 school in Boise State. And then they have three P5s in a row. Then a couple of cupcakes, uh, a bye week and some cupcakes. I wish we could get that bye week at a different time. Um, but we have it like in the middle of our cupcakes, which is unfortunate. But anyway, then we have Idaho State, Georgia Southern, and then at USC. So the remaining schedule for BYU is a is significant. USC, Washington State, Virginia, Baylor, Boise State. Those are some tough, tough games. But they're all winnable because we already have beaten Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Southern Florida, Utah State. Those are quality opponents BYU has played. All five are respectable opponents. And BYU is 5-0 and and looking good. The one thing to worry about this week is are we going to be on our third-string quarterback? It looks like we probably will be. Cougar fans will be on their third-string quarterback. But BYU, if they run the table, I don't know how you keep them out of the playoff. I don't know how. Because, again, the one school that that we would need to look out for as BYU fans would be Cincinnati. But here's Cincinnati's schedule. They played Miami of Ohio. Uh, I'm sorry, who? They played Murray State. Uh, I'm sorry, who? Um, they played... Indiana, Notre Dame, that's a big one. That was a good one. And that's the one that got them ranked so high as they beat Notre Dame, number nine, Notre Dame. So we'll see what Notre Dame does the rest of the rest of the way. But looking at the rest of their schedule, Temple, not P5, UCF, uh, not P5, Navy, not P5, Tulane, not P5, Tulsa, not P5, UCF, not P5, SMU, not P5, ECU, not P5. They literally don't play a Power 5 opponent. The only one is Indiana. 
right? Indiana, that's their one. And then Notre Dame, but you know, Notre Dame's not in a conference. So they, I mean, come on. You can't take an undefeated Cincinnati over an undefeated BYU. So we're going to have to see the committee honor that. And we're going to have to see that slowly start to shift. Even if both teams stay undefeated, you're going to have to see BYU climb up past Cincinnati. It'll be highway robbery if they don't. Because Cincinnati does not have the schedule. They don't have it even up to this point. I don't know why they're ranked so high. Murray State, Miami of Ohio, and Indiana, those are three of your four wins. The only victory that they can really brag about right now is at Notre Dame. They've beaten one ranked opponent. BYU has beaten two. So BYU has, is off to a fantastic start. Running the table is possible. It is. It is. Uh, the schedule is set up to where this could be a year BYU actually goes undefeated. Now, I will say this. If you're a betting man or a woman out there, to bet that BYU is going to win the next seven straight, probably not the smartest move in the world. If I were betting, I'd bet that they do drop one somewhere. But in the past, it's been like, oh, we're going to clearly lose three games. We're going to clearly lose five games. We're going to clearly lose this one game. This schedule, I'm like, no, There's every single game here is winnable. Every single one is winnable. With this team and this schedule, every single one that's left is winnable. Um, and the confidence is just the highest it's been in over a decade with the Cougars. I'm excited that they get to go back and, and play Virginia and Bronco. Um, so we'll see if they can just keep it going. Again, quarterback issue could be a thing. Uh, at Baylor is going to be a big deal. At, Baylor will probably be ranked at the time. Baylor's currently 4-1. and one unranked at four and one in the, in the big 12, kind of weird, but if Baylor and clicking on them here to look at their schedule, so they've beaten, uh, Texas state, Texas Southern, lame, lame, Kansas, big 12, but sucky. Um, and then they lost to, or they beat, uh, Iowa state who was ranked. And then they lost to Oklahoma state who was ranked. So Baylor, if they beat West Virginia this next week and get to five and one, you got to think they'll be ranked. So that would be BYU's third ranked opponent. Um, and, and, and you got to think that they'd have a chance to, they'd have a chance to really climb up above Cincinnati by beating a third ranked opponent and another power five school from a different conference. They've already owned the PAC 12 and now they're going to go after the big 12. So keep an eye on the Cougars. I do think that it's very much within the realm of possibility that they run the table. If they do run the table, they absolutely positively belong and deserve to be in the college football playoffs. I had some friends last night telling me that they would rather see BYU just go to a New Year's Six Bowl and play a more winnable opponent than like an Alabama or a Georgia who they would face in the playoffs. And I personally disagree with that. I would much rather see BYU make the playoffs because everyone's expecting you to lose by like three touchdowns to someone like Alabama maybe even more if we're being honest. But if BYU goes and plays Alabama in the college football playoffs and like say they lose by 17, that is a humongous victory because Alabama is going to steamroll this entire season and nobody's expecting BYU to beat Alabama. Ohio State wouldn't be expected to beat Alabama. Michigan wouldn't be expected to beat Alabama. So why should BYU be expected to? So it wouldn't be that big of a loss, you know, or a, or a letdown if they lose to Alabama. But to get to the playoffs would be so, so sweet, right? Especially before the Utes. The Utes busted the BCS before uh, BYU did. BYU never has. And the BCS doesn't exist anymore. They played in the Fiesta Bowl in like, what was it, 2004, 5? 
Uh, it was 2005 Fiesta Bowl, but from the 2004 season. And then they played Pitt, who was in the Big East, which at the time was a Power Six conference. By far, they were like eight and four, by far the worst school uh, of the conference champions. And so that's who Utah. That's who Utah got in their bowl game. They won, of course, but it was like the weakest of the week. And then they bust the BCS again four years later, 2008 season, and they played Alabama, which is a huge name. But at the time, Alabama was totally disappointed to have not gotten into the national championship game. They didn't seem to be totally in it. So I'm going to take a little bit away just by nature of what I just said from that win. In the end, though. Utah did beat Alabama. Utah does have two BCS victories under its belt. What they have not done is made it to the college football playoffs. They have not played for a conference championship or won a conference championship. BYU is now in the driver's seat with some of their toughest games already behind them. Um, some of their toughest ones still yet to come, admittedly. But, but very winnable schedule. Can they now run the table and make this interesting? I think this week we get a win over Boise State. I feel pretty confident about that. Baylor is the big question mark. Will Jaron Hall be back? I think by Baylor he will be back. I think we're going to see him sit again this week, and I think that would be the smart move. Let's make sure he's fully healthy for that Baylor game because that's going to be a ranked opponent. That's going to be a future Big 12 foe. And so we really want to see him healthy for that one. We need that one to be a victory because if we get the next two, I think you'll see BYU climb up to like number seven in the country. And we'll be looking for those initial college football playoff committee rankings to come out. So keep an eye on that. Okay, moving on to the NFL. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, the showdown, it happened. Tom Brady is now the all-time passing leader in NFL history. The guy is the goat of goats. He's 44 years old, but somehow ageless. He keeps on winning. He keeps breaking records everywhere he goes. All he does is win, 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 no matter what. He goes back to New England, wins again, becomes the fourth quarterback in NFL history to beat all 32 teams. Uh, the others are Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, and Drew Brees. Drew Brees, whose hair miraculously has grown back, he was on site uh, broadcasting the game for NBC when Tom Brady broke the record, and the New England Patriots did, like, nothing. It was the weirdest play ever, first of all. Um it was like they spotted the ball and he was like a yard short. Then they respotted it and he was tied. Then they like respotted it again and somehow he'd broken the record. So before we even knew it, like the next play was happening. It was like, oh, and he actually broke the record. We missed it. Sorry. So Mike Evans gets a ball. And right when he caught it, I was like, oh, that's the record. Because we knew he was like 26 yards shy or something. And it looked like a 27, 28 yard gain to me. But it's like it happened so quickly. It's tough to know exactly how many it was. Um and anyway, they spot the ball, and the announcer's like, oh, he's short, and they're like, no, he's not. And they, and anyway, all of a sudden, it was like, oh, he he did break the record, and the next play's happening. New England does nothing. They don't, like, keep the ball for him. They don't stop the game. They don't make an announcement over the PA system. They literally just put, like, a little, little graphic up on the Jumbotron that said, uh, new all-time passing leader, Tom Brady. It's like, are you guys insane? He spent 20 years with your franchise and won you six Super Bowls. He literally is the Patriots. When people think of the New England Patriots, they think of Tom Brady. There's no other player that comes to mind before Tom Brady for the New England Patriots. There's not even there's not even the next 20 players on the list. If you were to just start polling New England Patriot fans as well as just random NFL fans, hey, who's the first player that comes to mind when you think of the New England Patriots? Tom Brady would have more votes than everybody else combined in, in their franchise history. 
That's how big of a deal he is to that franchise. I mean, and they can't even like pause the game and do like a real genuine, hey, look, you did this. I'm guessing Bill Belichick had something to do with that, a lot to do with it, where he's like, no, we're not doing that. We're not going to freaking heap praise upon this guy in the middle of a competition. I don't know. I thought it was weird. You know, Drew Brees, if you remember when Drew Brees broke the record, they literally had like a Microsoft Word printed out document. Like it was the lamest piece of paper document ever, like certificate, like the all new all-time passing leader. And like they had like hurried and typed it like in the freaking booth like 10 minutes before or something. They couldn't even do that for Tom Brady. Um, they put a graphic up on the Jumbotron. I didn't see a game ball get tucked away, like the actual ball that Mike Evans caught. I didn't see that get tucked away uh, to be saved for Tom Brady as the all-time passing leader in NFL history, a record that will probably stand for years and years to come because there's no active players that are anywhere near him. And so, yeah, I thought that was interesting. That record will be broken just because the game is shifting so heavily towards favoring you know, the offense and quarterbacks and receivers in particular. So that record will be broken eventually. But it might take forever because this guy's in his 22nd year and he's the GOAT, uh, still doing it at a high level in year 22. In fact, he's second in the league this year in passing yards, second. So he gets the dub. Um, Bill Belichick uh, couldn't even like st- like couldn't even look Tom Brady in the eye in the post-game little meetup, you know, at midfield. Um I, I called it as as they were approaching. I'm like, he, he won't last two seconds in his ear. And doesn't even look him in the eye. Doesn't even take two. It was not even two seconds. He were to time it, it was not even two seconds that he was there talking to Tom Brady. And you're just like, this guy is such a bitter, curmudgeon old man. You know? You did then hear that, that Belichick went into the locker room, the Buccaneers locker room, after the game, and was in there for 20 minutes, private conversation. I liked hearing that. So you got to think this guy must be at least a little bit more likable in private than he is to the public because he's very unlikable to the public. He's he's just so like, you know, he's just an old, just an old, angry old man, you know. Um, But he must be more likable. I mean, not too much because everyone, you know, Tom Brady and these guys want to leave, you know, and Tom Brady's trainer um, whose name I'm spacing right now, but Tom Brady's trainer, like the TB12 trainer, his right-hand man, if you will, he said straight up, like, Belichick like botched it. He kept treating a guy who was the greatest quarterback of all time in his 40s as if he was still like an up-and-coming 20-something-year-old who needed to like earn his stripes. Like, you got to adjust, bro. You got to like, you got to appreciate what you have and adjust. Like, like my parents don't treat me the same way that they did, you know, 20, 30 years ago. I'm a 40-year-old man. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm a 40-year-old man. And so they treat me like that. We're like we're almost like peers now. Like they're still my parents. I still respect and honor them and turn to them for advice. But like they also turn to me for advice a lot. And you can tell that Bill Belichick just wanted to ride Tom Brady, you know, like like really make an example of him in practices or something and never wanted to pay him the big bucks. I mean, obviously he got rich, but like he wasn't getting these ma- massive deals that you're seeing Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and even freaking Kirk Cousins, uh, Josh Allen, guys like that get. He got a he got some you know some money here in Tampa Bay, but like he had to leave to go get you know big money. So kind of interesting. I don't know what to think of Bill Belichick, but it's there's no question Tom Brady has won this divorce heavily. The guy leaves and at age 43 wins a Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? His first year with a new team. 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have like historically been the worst franchise in American sports. He wins the Super Bowl with them in his first year at age 43. Belichick, meanwhile, doesn't even make the playoffs. I mean, it's just not even close. Now he goes back to New England, beats them. I will say Belichick and his defensive-minded schemes did hold Tom Brady to his worst game of the season. Um, now, there was rain. There was a lot of nerves and edge you know, with Tom Brady. He didn't throw any picks, but he also didn't throw any touchdowns. Worst completion percentage of the season, barely over 50%. Didn't even hit 200 yards, I don't think, or maybe let me look at that score. Um, and by the way, speaking of that game, um, Mac Jones looked really good. Like he had 19 straight completions at one point, which I think tied Tom Brady's career record. That was kind of interesting. But I thought he looked really good, Mac Jones. Um, in fact, I'm, pull, I'm pulling up the box score right now. Sorry. Just want to make sure I get it right. The Sunday night game. What a game that was. I was... Really, really enjoying that. Okay, so Mac Jones threw for 275 on 31 of 40. So Brady, sorry, I, I lied. Tom Brady did have 269 yards passing, um, 22 of 43. So yeah, so barely, barely, barely squeaks in a completion percentage above 50%. No touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, 269 yards. He did have rain. He did have nerves. He did have the guy who helped create him and Bill Belichick for 20 years, defensive scheming against him. So advantage Belichick there. And then on top of that, he did have Antonio Brown drop a game-winning touchdown that was a perfect deep ball, like literally just a beautiful deep ball. Would have been like a 30-something yard touchdown, um, and and he drops it. Uh, and that would have given him not only the extra 30-plus yards, but also a touchdown, which would have made the game just in general and his performance look that much better. Um, would have gotten him, you know, up over 300 yards with a touchdown, but AB drops it in the end zone, literally hits him right in the hands and he drops it. Um, again, rainy conditions, but Mac Jones, 31 of 40, two touchdowns, a pick. Um, Brady beats him out for QBR 55 to 46 passer rating though. Mac Jones dominates 101 to 70. So fun matchup, fun, fun matchup. Also in the NFL, I have to talk about this. Zach Wilson gets his first dub of his young career. So he's now got a victory. Trevor Lawrence is still without a victory. Mac Jones has one victory. Um, Trey Lance getting some playing time in uh, San Francisco did not look good. Justin Fields getting some playing time. Probably going to be the starter now moving forward, which I just dropped him from my fantasy team. Don't really regret it, though, because, like, whatever, you know. He, I don't think he's going to be anything that special this year. I think he eventually will be, but it's tough for rookies. He's going to throw picks. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to get sacked. Um, so I'm not going to fret about it too much. But Zach Wilson gets his victory, um, which was awesome to see. He had a fantastic game. He had a deep ball that was just so beautiful. Where he's, You've seen the player. He's scrambling out to the right, directs traffic, points downfield, and just, boom, bombs this perfect deep ball touchdown. I was so happy for Zach Wilson. He needed because he started the game really, really shaky. I, you know, I look at the. I'm watching NFL Red Zone, and it's like he's two of five with a pick. I'm like, oh no, he has, he has a an interception, and two completions. This is not good for Zach Wilson. But he ended the game 21 of 34, 297 yards, two touchdowns, and the interception. And most importantly, they win. And it went into overtime, which was unfortunate because Zach Wilson actually did miss, uh, who was it, Corey Davis maybe? 
missed him like wide open for a game sealing first down. They could have sealed the game with a first down, then run the clock out in regulation. Zach Wilson misses him on like a it's like a five yard slant. Like it was such such an easy or a five yard out maybe. Such an easy play, like honestly something that I could have completed, like not exaggerated. And it was a very simple play. Nerves must have gotten to him, misses him. So they have to punt. Titans come down and score. Game goes into overtime. I'm thinking, oh no, this poor kid, he's not going to win again. But they do. They get the win. 27-24 over the Titans. Speaking of the Titans, Derrick Henry is just a monster. The guy had 157 yards and a touchdown. He has over 500 yards on the season. It's like 120 plus more than the next highest guy, which is Nick Chubb, also on my fantasy team. Um, so he's just a monster. Okay, last thing I want to talk about in the NFL, then I got to talk a little bit NBA because we're getting close to NBA starting now. Taylor Heineke, I said that he was the real deal. He has proven to be the real deal. The guy is on fire for my Washington football team. Um, he's got the 13th highest QBR in the NFL right now, and he's improving each and every week. You're going to see that continue to climb. Eight touchdowns, only three interceptions, 960 yards, two and two, two and one as a starter. Um, the guy is just looking really, really solid. The one game that the, the Washington football team lost with him starting was against the Bills when they're expected to lose. The Bills are a far superior team. Washington's defense needs to step it up. I'm a little bit disappointed in the defense this year. Like we were so freaking stout last year. Like our defense was everything. Now the offense has caught up with Terry McLaurin, JD McKissick, Taylor Heineke. And, you know, the defense is like, where they go? Where are you guys? Where's where the where'd this stout defense go? You're all back. What happened? So they got to figure that out in Washington. But Taylor Heineke, most completions in NFL history through first three starts. Um, and I'm stoked for him. Like the guy is really, really awesome. And he had even more completions in his most recent start. So I'm sure he's got the most completions through your first four starts now. Um, I'm stoked for him. Stoked for the Washington football team. Hope to see them keep going. This guy was like living on his in-laws couch, you know, not long ago. He was going back to school, like just looking at other things to do with his life when he got the call. Um, and I thought going into this season that he should be the starter, not Ryan Fitzpatrick. I thought we should give him a chance. We're not even paying him very much. It's like very low risk here. And he's doing it. He's doing it. When Fitzpatrick, Fitz, Fitzpatrick is going to come back healthy. And at this rate, there is zero reason to have anyone but Taylor Heineke starting for the Washington football team. He's only 28 years old. So if 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 he proves to be something real, like a Kurt Warner, that's the analogy I gave, because Kurt Warner was bagging groceries, and all of a sudden he was winning Super Bowl MVPs, okay? So this guy has this type of capability. He's hungry. He wants to prove it. He wants to prove everybody wrong. He's grateful for his opportunity, and he wants to go get a big contract and, and go live out his dream that is, has been delayed by several years. So he's 28. He's got at least six, seven years of like prime athleticism left in him. And he's only going to keep getting better uh, mentally, you know, with the game, which is a very important part of being quarterback. So nobody but Taylor, Taylor Heineke should be starting for the Washington football team. Okay, next thing. And I called that long ago. So if any GMs out there need some consulting, let me know. My services are available. Okay, uh, NBA is going to start soon. I'm excited. There's obviously all this talk about uh, whether or not Kyrie's going to play and, and you know, get you know do all that, get the vaccination and all that stuff that he needs to do to be able to play. Very weird scenario. 
Um, I think you're going to see him eventually kind of cave and, and play. I don't really know. I don't want to get into the politics of it. Um, but what I do want to talk about is Ben Simmons and what a freaking diva that guy is. He is His pouting over the last couple of weeks has reached an all-time high. He's demanding a trade. He is sitting out. He is forfeiting millions and millions of dollars. The 76ers have said, okay, that's fine. We're not going to pay you anything. We're going to put this in an escrow account. And if you show up and actually do what you're paid to do, then we'll pay you. We're not going to pay you to just go be some diva, put your apartment up for sale, complain that the team doesn't like you, they're not nice enough to you. Uh, sorry that your teammates wanted you to shoot a layup that you were wide open that would have won a playoff series. That's what you're mad about? That they called you out for a blatant, obvious mistake that the entire country that was watching the games, which they're low-rated nowadays, um, everyone saw it. Everybody. And you're going to be mad at them. You're going to pout and piss and moan because your coach and your star teammate Joel Embiid said, yeah, we should have we taken that layup. We had a dunk and we didn't take it. You had Trey Young as the nearest defender. He's like eight inches shorter than you. And he was like three feet from you and you were a foot from the basket. So in other words, you were completely unguarded and you didn't just lay it up. Weirdest thing any of us have ever seen. You were as scared as could be. You're terrified of the free throw line because you suck at the free throw line. You've made zero efforts to improve your shooting over the last four years. Your free throw percentage has continued to suck. Your three-point percentage has continued to be non-existent because you can't shoot any, so you don't dare. Your shooting has gotten no percent better in the last four seasons. Finally, people are like, this, this is a problem because now it's being exploited and we just lost a playoff series because of he was terrified to shoot a free throw. And, and so it's like we can't even keep him in the game at the end of games, which I called and got, and got yelled at by you Philly fans, and I was right. And now you're losing him because he doesn't want to play there because he's a diva. He's a little crybaby. It's, it's almost impossible to root for this guy. He's such an insecure, arrogant kind of guy. Like the guy that's so insecure that he has to mask it with arrogance. I'm the man. I'm, I'm this. I'm that. I'm, you know, all, all whatever. I'm all NBA, blah, 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 blah. Well, you also kind of suck at shooting, which is like the core part of basketball. And he, I don't know. He's, he's just a baby. He's a diva. I don't like it. And that's all I had to say. We'll see what happens. I hope he loses a lot of money. I do because I don't think you should be rewarded for being such a baby and for quitting on your employer when they ask you to improve. That's like a performance review where they say, hey, look, dude, you got to like hit these numbers or we're going to have to let you go. And it's like, hey, you have to like learn how to shoot in this game or we're going to not be able to play you as much at the end of games. Oh, I want to quit. I want to go somewhere else. Demands a trade. Lame. Um, okay, MLB playoffs are underway. Walk-off home run last night. Dodgers. It was Dodgers, Cardinals. Dodgers get the walk-off. Bottom of the ninth. Two-run home run. Win the game 3-1. to one. They're now in the playoffs. NLDS. We get Dodgers and Giants in the first round. How sick is that going to be? So you've got Braves, Brewers, Red Sox, Rays. Red Sox, of course, beat the Yankees in their wild card game. Um, and White Sox, Astros. So... MLB playoffs are underway. I don't have a whole lot to say about them right now, but you will hear me talking about them more as they start to unfold because now the wild cards are over and the real playoffs start. And I actually love Major League Baseball playoffs. I love them. So if you haven't been following Major League Baseball, the playoffs is the time to follow because there's a lot of drama that unfolds, just like last night. Walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth. Um, guys, that's it. That's all the time I have for today. Thank you for being here. Please hit that subscribe button. We're going to be back on track with more of these podcasts. Cougars. We'll reach 6-0. We'll see if they continue to climb those rankings. That's all the time I have for today. I am out. Peace.
Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports. Cause we are-